Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome back to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. This week we have Dr. Laura Lindsay from the Department of Horticulture and Crop Science, and she is Ohio State Extension's Soybean and Small Grain Specialist. Welcome, Laura. Thanks. So today's going to be a little interesting because we're talking about a non-traditional crop in Ohio, uh, malting barley. Why is there an interest in growing malting barley in Ohio? I think there's an interest right now in growing malting barley in Ohio because there's been an increase in the number of craft breweries on the the eastern side of the U.S. So uh, Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, all in the past few years have seen a drastic increase in craft brewing. Uh, And also um, there's a malting barley facility that will be constructed in Ohio. Uh, So there'll be a new um, potential market for malting barley in the state of Ohio. That's fantastic. So what are some of the reasons why Ohio is a good candidate for growing malting barley? Ohio is a good candidate. We have a uh, malting barley breeder in the Department of Horticulture and Crop Science who has been working on developing uh, new cultivars for probably close to 10 years. Uh, So there's been a lot of work in in that, um, that area. Um, and, and again, we have that market. The other uh, interest in malting barley in Ohio is, is because it's harvested uh, about two weeks earlier than winter wheat. So this opens up the window to double crop soybeans, especially in the northern part of the state. Yeah, two weeks can make a big difference. Two weeks makes a really, really big difference for soybeans. Laura, is it the recent boom of the craft brew market that has sparked interest in malting barley? Why haven't we been growing it until now? Yeah, I think a lot of it is having an outlet, a place to sell sell the grain is is, is a big deal, having a place to sell it. So hopefully this uh, new malting facility works out okay. Yeah, hopefully. So could you explain what, obviously malting barley is a food grade crop, but what are the differences that we need to pay attention to when growing malting barley as opposed to, say, for feed? Yeah, so malting barley uh, does go into a product that's that's consumed, um, mostly beer, but not necessarily beer, but mostly beer. Um, but quality, quality is really important for the grain, so part of the malting process is to sprout the grain, um, so we have to have good germination, so we're not just harvesting grain and eating, having something eat the grain directly. We have to sprout it first for the malt, so we have to have good germination, high germination, uh, low vomitoxin, so um, they're looking for less than one part per million uh, vomitoxin levels, uh, and then also uh, low protein. How does that vary from our feed grade barley? I haven't worked with feed grade barley, uh, but I, I mean with feed grade I would assume you would want low vomitoxin as well because you're feeding it to something. Um, protein, I would assume with, with feed you would want higher protein um, for an animal. Um, and then germination, of course, wouldn't matter matter at all for feed. So Laura, obviously this is the first year for testing barley in Ohio, um, but what kind of quality are you seeing out there this season? Yeah, so it's, it's my first year in, on the agronomy side. The barley breeder, breeder has been doing it for like a long time. Um, our, our trials themselves, uh, we've seen really good test weight. So test weight for barley is, should be around 48 pounds per bushel. Our test weight is, is very close to that. So we've, we've had really good test weight. Um, and then we've also measured protein 
uh, with all of our, our trials. Uh, protein is, they, they want um, protein that is uh, 9.5 to 12.5% on a dry weight basis. Um, and we can hit that most of the time, uh, but there is a relationship between the amount of nitrogen we put on in the spring and protein content. Uh, so with higher nitrogen rates, uh, we did sometimes get uh, protein over that 12.5%. So that's part of our research is looking at the trade-off between yield with more nitrogen, but still um, low enough protein content. So you did some nitrogen trials this year, right? And that's yeah. what you're looking at then? Yeah, yeah. We did a nitrogen rate trial at three locations in Ohio, in, in Wood County, Clark County, and then also uh, Wayne County. And we had four different nitrogen rate treatments in the spring, uh, 0, 40, 80, and 120 pounds uh, per acre. Uh, at the Wood County location, we were able to apply 120 pounds of nitrogen in the spring and still be, on average, uh, less than that 12.5%. Uh, but at the other two locations, uh, Clark County and Wayne County, uh, when we applied uh, much more than 40 pounds um, of nitrogen in the spring, we exceeded that 12.5% protein content. So um, nitrogen, I think, and nitrogen management is going to be really key uh, from a protein standpoint. So when the, the protein goes over that 12.5%, does that um, what does that really affect? Is it the germination that it affects or just the flavor? It affects the quality of the beer. Um, and I'm not a malting expert by any means, so you need someone in food science to come and talk to you. Um, but yeah, it affects, it affects the quality of the beer, so they want a lower protein okay. um, content. Yeah, this is so far out of my typical realm that I have a lot of curiosity questions more than it's out, of, it's out of my realm too, but it's been really fascinating to work on a crop that is completely new because everything you learn is, is new. Um, so it, it's been fun to work on it. So in addition to your nitrogen trials, what else did you test this, this spring? We also looked at seeding rate. We, we assume that malting barley is, is similar in terms of planting date, seeding rate, things like that as, as winter wheat. Uh, but we wanted to see if there was any differences there. So we did a seeding rate trial um, at the same three locations, uh, Wood, Wayne, and Clark County. Uh, the optimum seeding rate looked like it was between 1.6 and 1.8 million seeds per acre, so maybe slightly higher than what we, what we would plant um, for winter wheat. Um, but our stand was pretty good going into spring. We did have some um, heaving in the Worcester location where from freeze-thaw cycles where some of the roots were pushed out of the ground. Uh, but malting barley stand can look extremely, extremely thin and not great in the spring, but it is able to, to recover and tiller out and fill in better, better than I would have thought it could. So do you have any intention? I know in wheat, some of your research has been around replant decisions mm -hmm. for wheat. If the stand can look bad and still perform well, are you planning on doing some trials on replant decisions for barley? We did, yeah. So in, in the spring, it was at Peaks 5, we went out and we evaluated stands. So we do call them stem counts because I don't distinguish between the main stem and tillers because it's really hard to do that. Uh, so we count the number of stems in a foot length of row, uh, which is pretty tedious to do. But basically, we want to see what, what is the number of stems we need there at Peaks 6 to have a, uh, a crop that will yield 
reasonably well. Uh, and then we're also using a, a relatively new smartphone app called Canapeo, which I'm sure you guys have heard of, where we're taking pictures of that same general area where we do tiller counts and trying to correlate that to yield because we think farmers are going to be much more likely to take a picture to evaluate their stand rather than getting on their hands and knees and counting tillers. Um, and we've seen a really good uh, correlation between Canapeo and our stem counts and yield, better than seeding rate. Seeding rate and yield are very poorly related. It's what you have in the spring that really relates to yield. You mentioned there is the potential for higher yields with double crops because we can plant them earlier. Have you looked at the economics of it compared with wheat? Yeah, uh, in, in terms of uh, our northern our northern site in Wood County was harvested first. So the harvest date um, on that was June 21st. So that is, that's really early. Um, the other two locations uh, were harvested June 29th. Uh, that was in, in Worcester at, at, in Wayne County and the other one was June 25th. Uh, so normally when we do double crop soybeans, and I've never done them in the northern part of the state, uh, but along uh, 70, usually double crop beans there, uh, we can plant maybe the first or second week of July. Um, so for the northern part of Ohio to be able to plant soybeans June 21st, that should, that should make a really big difference uh, because planting data is one of the biggest factors that affects soybean yield and earlier is always better. Um, with that, double crop soybeans also need water. Um, so there's also, um, depending on how much rainfall we get, it'll, it'll affect soybean yield. Um, so if we have a good planting day and water throughout the growing season, I think double crop soybeans can do quite well. What about strictly looking at the barley? Any idea there on profitability potential over wheat? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And I know there, there are people working on that and um, it depends too on the contracts. So there's contracts for, for barley and I don't, I don't have that contract. Um, so farmers would need to look at their contract and look at that structure. Um, because the pay grade may be dependent on quality and which quality standards are met or not met. Um, so quality is gonna be really key there and the contract in terms of profitability and then the double crop soybeans will, will have to go hand in hand there because I think that's gonna be a big chunk of the profitability, um, especially in the Northern part of the state that can't double crop normally. So one thing that is often helpful for making the numbers work with wheat is the straw that you get mm -hmm. with that crop also. Mm -hmm. Is there any value with, with barley straw? Yeah, there is, there's uh, value. Um, we did measure straw, I don't have the, the numbers crunched yet, but we did take straw biomass measurements to get an idea how much straw was coming, especially in our seeding rate trial, because there could be a relationship there. Um, but from what I've heard that the barley straw can be fairly high value. Um, I don't know how well it works, but it can be sold to control algae and funds. Um, so there could be a market market there. So, um, and it's usually a high quality straw because there won't be a lot of um, weeds because if you have a lot of weeds, it's not good for your barley crop. Um, so, so from what I've heard, um, straw can be a really high value component of winter malting barley. So I think the bottom line here is able to make malting quality because if you don't there's not much of a market for feed grade barley in this area. So what are the chances of uh, farmers, what's the risk there of them making malting quality or not making malting quality? 
Yeah, there's definitely a risk. Um, and our trials, I think we haven't measured all the quality yet. We haven't looked at germination or vomitoxin because we're in the process of setting up um, those in, in the lab. Um, but there is a really high risk. And with our trials, we really, I don't want to say babied the crop, but we did, we did baby the crop. Um, we had really good weed control. We, we made sure that was all taken care of. Uh, we had timely um, fungicide applications and we, we applied it by hand with a backpack sprayer to make sure we were there on the field at the right time. And we have small pots so we can, we can do that. Um, so we really um, tried to take care, care of the crop um, to, to get what we hope to be really high quality. So farmers will have to keep that in mind. And I've been told to think of it more as like you're producing seed because you, you need to produce something that will germinate. So um, extra care, um, harvesting and um, drying down to not kill germination um, is really important. So you kind of have to shift the mindset from a commodity crop to almost producing seed. Any idea if different parts of the state are better set up to grow barley as far as climate goes? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And we only have, you know, we only have one year of, of, of our agronomic uh, data. But in terms of yield, um, just of one year, which can change year to year, because every time I say something based on one year of data, the next year the opposite happens, because that's the way research works. But uh, based on our one year of data, uh, the Wood County location uh, was the highest yielding. Um, we ranged from 80 bushels to 100, about 110 bushels per acre in, in Wood County. Um, and the 80 bushels was achieved with no spring nitrogen application, just 20 pounds in the fall. So that's kind of neat. Um, and then after that, the western location was the next highest yielding, and that ranged from about 65 to 90 bushels, um, zero to 120 pounds of nitrogen. And then the Worcester location uh, was, was lower yielding, uh, about 55 bushels to maybe 65 bushels per acre. Uh, and some of that can be related to planting date as well. Um, our Northwest location was planted the earliest on September 23rd. Uh, and then our um, other two locations uh, were planted uh, three to six days later. So there, I think there, there could be a planting date effect as well, because what I've seen and what the farmers have seen and, and the, the barley breeder has seen earlier um, is better, but not before that fly-free date, because there can be problems um, there. That's a big difference from top to bottom in, in yield. And I know too, um, OARDC or Worcester was the lowest yielding. Mm -hmm. They had quite challenging weather conditions yes. in both fall and spring. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Planting earlier is is better. Um, I know some of the the breeding plots in Worcester were planted quite late because of just challenges challenges with weather, um, and sometimes harvesting can be a problem too um, in terms of of weather really anywhere in the state. Yeah, we had a pretty large swing in yield across the state. Yeah. Do you have plans next year to increase the number of sites with yield trials or stick with the same three? We're going to stick with the same three. Um, when we do things with nitrogen manipulation, um, doing it at a, a research facility, OSU research facility, is is really key. Um, otherwise, farmers can go through and, and top dress nitrogen um, and we won't have our rate trial. Seeding rate we could do at other locations potentially, um, but for us right now, it's a lot easier to keep it keep it on the, the stations. Mm -hmm. But we do, I do have a graduate student starting um, this fall 
which I guess is now tomorrow, tomorrow classes start. Um, and he'll be doing some on-farm work looking at stand evaluation. So we won't have actual treatments in the field, but he'll be going out um, and looking at stand in the spring and then trying to relate that back to yield. So we will have some on-farm things, um, not these trials, but we will have some on-farm things coming soon. Yeah, well, we know I like on-farm research. Yes, and, yes. <laughs> um, I get excited about the specialty crops too because they're new and exciting. Yeah, but then the stand stuff, we can we can see a really good relationship with stem counts and um, the canopeo on small plots, but we need to see if that transfers to field scale because sometimes that doesn't happen. Usually it does. Usually we can transfer small plot to large plot, but I think in this case we really need to test that. Well, I think overall it is, like Elizabeth said, pretty exciting opportunity. I hope it works out because we know how the wheat market's been and we've just seen those acres decline. So it'd be nice to have another crop that's profitable and, um, you know, reasonable for farmers to work into their rotation again. Yeah, absolutely. Three crop rotations are better than two or one. So if we have an, another option as a small grain option for rotation, that would be great. Yeah, and especially in Northwest Ohio, any opportunity we have to get, I know cover crops are a big deal, but get a crop on there that mm -hmm. is growing through the winter. Yes. That also provides value in the spring and summer is a lot better scenario economically. Yeah. Absolutely. I know you guys put together a malting barley small publication or bulletin and have you updated that or where's that available? Right now it's available on my website which is stepupsoy.osu.edu and there's a tab uh, for winter malting barley so you can download the PDF uh, free uh, there and this hasn't been updated with our trials uh, from this past year. Uh, but I do have um, a couple of reports for both of our trials as a PDF. They're not uploaded yet, but they will be soon. Um, so those, the first year data will be available. And then when we have two years of data, then we'll go and update the guide. Um, I feel more confident when we, once we have two years of data to, to incorporate, it, incorporate that into the guide. And there's also other people doing research as well. Pierce Paul has been doing a lot on um, the pathology side, primarily vomitoxin. Um, so he'll have some results as well, hopefully in a couple years to, to update the guide. And what else is in there? Uh, the guide, it, it has uh, cultural practices at planting, fertility recommendations. Um, Mark Lauchs has a really nice section about weed control because um, weed control is really important for winter malting barley and you also have to pay really close attention to the herbicides you're applying because if you apply something to the barley it may not be friendly for double crop soybeans and if you plant something to the soybeans the, the previous year you may not be able to plant a small grain so you have to really be in tune to to what you're applying from a herbicide standpoint and what is what are the re not replant but the the planting options for the next crop so you have to really uh, dial into that and so there's there's information about herbicides in there uh, and also uh, plant pathology uh, with, with peers contributing to that section. Excellent. So make sure you check out Laura's website, Step Up Soy, mm -hmm. um, and check that out. Laura, do you have any other resources that you would like to share? For malting barley, those are, those are the main ones we have right now. This is all very much a work in progress. Um, it's, it's a new area uh, right now. Uh, but just in terms of resources in general, um, my website has a lot of information about soybeans and, and small grains. Uh, you'll also be able to find the Ohio Agronomy Guide there as a, as a free PDF, which we just uh, released a year ago. 
Um, so that's all updated. It's free on the website. So that's, that's another resource. So why we have you here, Laura, why don't you just give us a quick update on what's happening with soybeans this year? Soybeans look excellent this year. Uh, we were able, with our trials, we, we have performance trials all across the state. Our performance trials, we had really good planting dates, uh, with the exception of North Central Ohio. They were extremely wet this spring, but outside of North Central Ohio, our, our planting dates uh, were really good. Um, our trials look, look excellent this year. I think it's one of the, the best looking years for us um, in the recent past, which is great. Um, and Elizabeth and I were talking earlier, this August rain has been crazy, in a good way, crazy good. Um, usually when we, when we have rain in, in August, uh, that really helps fill out the seed and increase yields. So I'm, I'm hopeful we'll have really great yields, um, especially in those areas that have had gotten that this August uh, rainfall. Yeah, I know in our area, we're averaging an inch to an inch and a half a week, which mm -hmm. For August most years is unheard of. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's going to be huge. Yeah, we'll take it as long as it shuts off as soon as everything senesces. That's so the that other we can key. The <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that I think it was last week, maybe end of week before, that some of the beans around here are starting to change already. So it's, I think farmers are really excited about the yield potential. Mm -hmm for corn and soybeans this year. Yeah. Kara, I was following Ohio Country Journal on their crop tour and a lot of the beans that they looked at, those fields were rated as, as mm -hmm. very good or excellent. So mm -hmm. that's exciting. Sometimes you, it's hard to tell till you get out there with the combine, but it is exciting. It is, it is. Mm -hmm. Well, Laura, uh, thank you for your time. We appreciate the update and it'll be exciting to see uh, what happens moving forward with malting barley. Yeah, just keep checking the corn newsletter for articles and my website. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode.